protecting your assets for the next generation. You're listening to The Strong Room, a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 770 CHQR. Welcome to The Strong Room. I'm Peter Watts. It's tax planning time, and keep in mind that tax planning is not a retroactive exercise. You have to get your plan in place ahead of time, which means you should be doing that work right now. Later on the program, McMillan estate planning tax expert Abe Alazada will be along to talk about some specific aspects of tax planning. But first, let's hear from Wanda Morris of CARP, the Canadian Association of Retired Persons. She's here to speak about CARP's submission to the steering committee looking at a national pharmacare program. That committee, headed by former Ontario Health Minister Dr. Eric Hoskins, is due to report to the federal and provincial governments in the first quarter of 2019. We think that it's unconscionable that uh, Canadians are having to choose between buying food, paying for heat, or getting their much-needed medications. So we believe that everyone should have access to a, a comprehensive pharmacare program. So there are five points that you have uh, made in your submission uh, to uh, the committee. What are they? What we're asking for is a universal program so that everyone is covered. And by having a universal program, we also are able to really uh, tap into costs savings. Estimates in the billions of dollars of uh, dollars that will be saved by governments, by companies, and by people like you and me. So a universal program covering everyone with a a single public payer, which is the piece that will generate the savings. Uh, And then we've got that uh, the medications must be accessible. So, So financial barriers removed. And right now, what we know is that there's a tremendous difference between coverage, uh, depending on where you live, if you're in BC or Ontario or Nova Scotia. And we think everyone right across the country should have the same coverage and and no barriers. And then moving on, um, the coverage needs to be comprehensive. Uh, So, you know, some countries have uh, introduced a a pharmacare program, what I would call a real bare bones. And and uh, and fortunately, in Canada, we're able to do a little bit better than that. We um, need to have a, certainly everything on the formulary should be um, based backed by scientific evidence that's peer-reviewed. But sometimes the medication that works for some people won't work for other folks because they'll experience uh, side effects or it may interact with other medications they're already taking. So we need something more than a, you know, a minimum essential list, but something far less than the 13,000 possible medications that are out there. Uh, And one thing, and CARP in particular, that we want to make sure is included is preventative medications like vaccines, like a high dose flu shot and uh, um, the Shingrex vaccine for for people getting shingles because we know that investing in preventative health saves money. Um, And then the fifth point uh, that we made in our submission uh, is about uh, portability. We know that uh, particularly for our members, for CART members, individuals uh, may travel from province to province or spend time in different provinces and they shouldn't be denied access to either medical care or their pharmaceuticals 
based on on where they're living. And I'll just add a a sixth point, which we're just putting into our submission at this final date, which is that we think this is a tremendous opportunity for the government to also look at de-prescribing, because many of our members are on multiple medications, uh, some of them on 10 or more, and the chances of having an adverse uh, medication effect, a side effect or an interaction, become much greater as people get on to to more and more medications. So we want something that's that's robust and and covers everyone and covers the appropriate medications as well. Well, that last point, I think, would dovetail what the Canadian Medical Association is looking at trying to do, and that is to make sure that what is prescribed is appropriate and is necessary, but don't over-prescribe, particularly when it comes to things like opioids. You know, exactly. And and what we know is that, that sometimes people go to a doctor and they get a prescription. Like, let's imagine you're having trouble sleeping and you might get a, a medication prescription for some sort of sleeping pill. But the reality is that you could do a lot of things other than take medication. You know, exercise, cognitive behavior therapy, relaxation techniques. You know, there's a number of other things we do. And I think we're very quick to turn to uh, a pill when we'd probably be a lot healthier if we explored other options first. I wonder what Dr. Hoskins' committee will come up with in terms of a list of medicines that must be on this Pharmacare list if it gets to that point. And our proposal has been that uh, while some countries have a sort of an essential medications list, we don't think that anybody should have to endure side effects because they can't take a particular medication. But I think there's a a staged way to do that. So, for example, if there's, you know, five drugs that treat a particular cause, if there's a, you know, a good chance that the the cheapest one works, why not start there? And then if it doesn't, then move on to other medications so so that we can save money and make sure people are appropriately um, given the appropriate medications as well. Do you sense from the meetings you've had with Dr. Hoskins and his committee that the five or six points that you have raised, uh, dovetail with, you know, the broad outlines of, of his uh, uh, message and his report? What we know about Dr. Hoskins is that when he was the, the health care minister in Ontario, he um, put forward at that point a program to provide essentially uh, pharmacare to, uh, to children and young adults. So I'm, I'm hopeful that, uh, that what he did for that age group in Ontario, he will do for all age groups right across this country. I think the challenge will be to come up with a list of drugs that are necessary to be on the list, while at the same time making sure that the entire program nationally is affordable. Uh, that's yeah. going to be a very steep challenge, it seems to me. Well, I, I think it's actually very do- doable. And I, an important point to make is I, I've often heard us talking about, you know, affordable pharmacare. The reality is that even with a very robust list, and, and we can take what uh, Quebec offers as, as one of the best in the country, uh, even with you know, a national program on that same level, there are still $4.2 billion in savings. So this isn't actually an expense, but rather it's a way to save. Granted, the savings will go to businesses that are currently insuring health care and individuals that have private plans and, and governments as they're covered, as they're covering people. But I think it's really critical to remember that not only is this the right thing to do, it is a financially compelling thing to do. Where do the savings come from? So they, the 4.2 billion that I mentioned, 4.2 billion, is a, from a report from the parliamentary budget officer that is uh, what would be saved by bulk purchasing. And, and you've probably heard this, but Canada pays the third highest cost in the uh, of all OECD countries 
for our medications and the highest cost of any country that has a universal Medicare program. So we're paying far too much for our drugs and $4.2 billion could be saved from that. Then there's also a tremendous amount of savings, probably in the order of magnitude of another $5 billion or so, of moving to generic. Uh, because we are, for example, we are about 20% below the U.S. and the number of prescriptions that are filled with generics. And every one percentage point that we change that would result in about $500 million in savings. So this is you know, a tremendous opportunity for us not only to have fantastic universal coverage, but also to, you know, to save money. Uh, the other question that I wonder about is that would this be an appropriate time to introduce what I might call the healthcare savings account? That is something that people contribute to uh, from, say, age 18 to age 65 to put a few dollars aside every month uh, that would go into a healthcare account that would be available to them, um, you know, when they get to a certain age uh, and where there may be more need for dollars to help pay for things like this. Uh, is anybody talking? about that in the context of either healthcare or a national pharmacare program. You know, that's a new one on me, but I will um, take it under advisement and uh, and have a look. I just, I've, I've heard the idea mentioned uh, in the past. I don't know if it's been mentioned by CARP, uh, but I, I wonder if we're at a point now where uh, given costs, even if they can be reduced, uh, that, that such a savings plan uh, for this kind of purpose might be appropriate. Well, the, the thing that, that raises a red flag for me is if it's a, a cost for everyone on a flat rate, because that tends to be unduly punitive to low-income people. So I don't have a problem with us you know, saving up for, for future costs. I think that's all good. But I, I think, um, first of all, that people shouldn't have to privately fund um, medications or healthcare, that we should cover those. That uh, seems to me is a pretty fundamental right. And then I think that it makes sense that... Um, those of us who have been you know, very um, fortunate to do very well can shoulder a bit of a higher percentage of the burden than expecting people that are really struggling to make ends meet to pay the same amount. That's Wanda Morris of the Canadian Association of Retired Persons. Next, a conversation with Macmillan Estate Planning's Abe Alizada about tax planning. You're listening to The Strong Room on 770 CHQR.